Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the One Perspective to Another Podcast. I am your humble and gracious host, Adot Sanders, here with a first-time, first-time listener, our first time on the podcast, but he has been a listener, a very supportive listener. Give him much props. Give him much respect. I want everybody to welcome in. Cody, how you doing today, my brother? Good. How are you, man? I'm chilling like a villain sitting on penicillin. So Cody <laughs> is here, and he has he didn't want to talk about it at first. He didn't even know what he wanted to do. He just wanted to support. But with conversation, we get to where we want to go. And that's telling a story about... Um, I think the most important thing that we as humans come to the realization is that it's always a love story about something. And it's always something that leads you from wherever you are in your situations to where you are now as a human. And Cody has a beautiful reason for that. And I want Cody to tell his story. So without further ado, we just going to drop right into it and get to it. So, Cody, go ahead with your story. Um, all right. So yeah, I, I, uh, at the back end of my high school life, I, uh, I found myself not wanting and not enjoying things like marijuana, smoking weed. I didn't enjoy that stuff. Um, gave me a lot of anxiety. Just wasn't something I was into. Um, but you want to fit in, you want to be a part of, you know, the parties, the, the entertainment, the fun, um, and I quickly introduced myself to cocaine. And I guess what I didn't realize was how quickly it takes over a life and, and consumes, you know, your daily thoughts and, and actions. Um, yeah, so I ended up going to rehab at 17 after high school. Um, it kind of hit me in there that, I was, you know, I was, I was making mistakes in life, you know, seeing my parents cry. And I was in, you know, I was in rehab on my mom's birthday. And I think one thing I didn't even talk to you about, but one thing that kind of set apart a lot was I was, I was 17 in a rehab facility. So when you're in rehab as an adolescent, you're separated from the adults. There's only a certain amount of kids who have drug problems, but you're in a, you're in a facility with adults that have drug problems, but you're also, there's an adolescent unit or ward to it where those most 90% of the kids in there are, are suicidal going through uh, like group homes, stuff like that. Like kids that are just, you know, trying to kill themselves and in mental situations and more so in like internal battles than, than drug issues. So, you know, during the days I would get split off and go to meet with the adults. Mm-hmm. Like I'd go to the, you know, the, the NA anonymous, AA anonymous, HNI, like the heroin anonymous, all those classes, learn about the drugs and, and you know, what they were doing. And it was great as a kid to see adults that had continued this pattern and what it did do to them now, you know, like I'm in there at 17 years old, addicted to drugs, but you're seeing somebody who's 40 years old and still battling it. So I think that was a, that was really eye opening. But what else was eye opening was coming back. And so like after like dark, you know, things like that, you were no longer allowed to be with the adults. They didn't, you know, there was that trust thing where, you know, drug addicts, you know, addicted adults weren't allowed to be allowed like around the adolescents, which I mean, makes sense. Yeah. So I'd come back and, you know, the day still wasn't over in terms of the rehab facility stuff. Um, so they'd continue on with like, I'd get transitioned into what, what they were doing, the rest of the kids that weren't drug addicts. So it would be, you know, classes about suicide and, you know, them talking about their personal stories and stuff like that. 
And that one kind of hit hard only because you see these kids that are 12, 13, you know, 14 years old that, you know, we're telling stories about how they're trying to kill themselves and why they hate their life and stuff. And I think if somebody sitting in there that was, you know, I just had a drug problem because I was dumb and I even wanted to party and stuff like that. You sit back and you're like, my life's not that bad. You know, like I'm very fortunate comparatively to what these kids are going through. Yeah. Do um well, go ahead. What's up? No, what's up? I was gonna say, like in those meetings, like yeah. do you or at the time were you like conscious enough to see like there's like different levels of addiction while being in there and realizing like, hey, like I'm just not saying that you made poor choices, but like my poor choice is at the beginning of what I can see with all the adults and the older people like moving along. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause like during the day when you go to the classes, like, um, they, so the big, I'll never forget it. The biggest one was narcotics anonymous. Mm-hmm. Like every day they had a different subject for the adults that, you know, I wouldn't mean one other kid would go to. And, um, I think it was like a Wednesday and it was narcotics anonymous where they would bring in guest speakers and stuff like that. I remember cause I was sitting in the art class with the kids in the morning. And that's when, you know, when the adults would finish having breakfast, then they'd bring over me and the other kid. And we were in the art class, just waiting for the adults to be ready. And they said, uh, you know, okay, hey, the two of you have got to go. They're, they're starting class. And I remember I stayed in the art room and I was like, no, you know, the board says narcotic anonymous. I don't have a problem with narcotics. And so I tried to, you know, I tried to play it off and stay in the art class with everybody else and, and draw pictures, whatever they were doing. And then, you know, they came and got me and like, no, you need to be a part of this. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't have a problem. And they said, no, you know, it's part of the whole entire program for drugs. You know, you have drugs, you're going to all of them. So I ended up sitting through that one. And um, just what you would see is the adult, like, speakers that were coming were people that were clean, but had been through it for, like, 20, 30 years of the addiction. Mm-hmm. And that one was hard because you do see the stages. You see me who's just starting. You see the adults who are going through rehab now. Then you see people who have been through rehab seven, eight times and are now guest speakers who would share their life stories. Like, holy shit, like you keep going down this road and that'll be you. And then you continue along and then that'll be you. And you almost see how it can spiral. Yeah, man. A hundred percent. Excuse me. So from that point on, um, like what, what took place after you got out and did that, I don't want to say those, um, examples, but like, that different mindset of you being in there, like what changed mm-hmm. being in there to getting out? Um, so it's funny is actually when you're an adolescent and you go into a rehab facility, your parents sign away their rights. You become a ward of the state at that point. Mm-hmm. So to get out, you actually have to, you have to see a doctor and you've got to pass all these requirements and stuff because the state doesn't want to put you back out you know, to your parents stuff, if you still got problems. So you got to go through all these check marks and stuff. And so eventually I got out. Um, it was clean. It was great. Kind of fell back into it a little bit. Um, it wasn't nearly as bad. I think my mental state at this point was better. I was no longer using drugs to mask just my feelings. I would use drugs because only to party, only to go out. It was only a social thing. Um, but eventually that my parents caught on and knew that was going to lead to a bad, you know, transition. And it was, you know, it was going to go back down the same path. So they actually shipped me to Texas to live with. Um, somebody my dad had, you know, kind of raised through working with him. Like he's my dad, you know, hired an employee 20, 30 years ago and kind of helped raise him when he was young. And um, 
So, you know, the roles were kind of switched and my dad sent me out to live with him now that he was older and had a family and stuff. So I lived with him for a year, year and a half. Um, and he was in the military and stuff. So I was you know, completely clean. Great. Life's great. I missed Arizona though. You know, I missed being. You still there? Yeah. I don't know what happened. It said waiting. Yeah. froze or like you get though. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, he probably had Julio P's and Q's. I don't know if you heard me. Yeah. Yeah. So that was great. That was great for me. Another question I forgot to ask is you said that I didn't ever knew about the uh, Steiner way being a part of the state, but like, were you 17 turning 18 or were you still 17? Like, does anything change when you, I just hit 17. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was the younger side. Okay. I don't know. I'd assume once you're 18, I assume you can check yourself out. I'm not sure how that works. Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. What so after moving out to Texas, being with yep. the, the new um say angel that you yeah. have, what what transpired after that? And like where's your where's your mindset? Where's your mind frame after like dipping dipping and dabbing in a little bit more, but realizing like, hey, I'm not like I'm not doing this shit like twenty four seven, I'm not fiending for it. It's just mm-hmm. because I want to go party and whatnot. But like what in that mind frame led you to your next steps and like where you at mentally, physically, emotionally? Um, it was good. I was real good. Um, I missed my parents. I missed a social aspect. Like I didn't have a social aspect out there. There was no social life. I worked, came home, worked, came home, you yeah. know, and that was it. So eventually a year and a half goes by, moved back to Arizona. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, that's kind of where, turned again you know I got a fake ID I started I think it was more just because I was clean for a year and a half and alone for the mm-hmm. most part I wanted to come back out and, and have fun again I guess so yeah hell yeah yeah because you, yeah. well, you was yeah. in for till you were 18 so you missing like a lot of it too is like you missing out on childhood correct like, yeah, yeah not childhood but like adult you said adolescence like the prime years is just like exactly that shit. Yeah, did you have, did you, know, you feel that? Well, yeah, and you're still in the group chats with your friends. You know, I'm still in the group chat with the, you know my buddies from Arizona who were all you know what time are we meeting up tonight? Where are we going? What are we doing? And it's just like cool. Yeah, I hope y'all yeah. have fun, man. Should For be- a year, yeah. Damn, yeah. I never thought of it like that. So, so we- I came back and I was a dog. I mean, I was the first one. I was. I was. What are we doing tonight? You know, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'm trying. I'm trying to link up. I'm trying to get back into it. I want to see my friends. Yeah. I want to have fun. I want to catch up. Um, also, crazy. I don't know if you want to get off topic here for a second. Deshaun Watson was just traded to the Browns on a five-year deal. What breaking news? I'm so sick of Deshaun Watson, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so long till Baker's gone. Fuck Baker too. Um, um, yeah, I might have to put up your episode then. But <laughs> damn. <laughs> um, fuck. I got you. No, but it was quick. So, uh, I mean, just real quick. So, yeah, I, I parted. Got kind of crazy again, but it was I was I was mentally there. I was working full time. I was in construction back in Arizona. You know, I'd work and the weekends I was partying. Um, it's funny. So the last weekend I ever started partying stuff, I had an ex girlfriend 
I don't, I don't even call her an ex-girlfriend. I was like in seventh, eighth grade, whatever it was. And I dated her for like two weeks. But she'd called me and she said, uh, what are you doing tonight? Do you want to go out? I was like, yeah. And she said, okay, I'm bringing a friend. I was like, cool. I'll mm-hmm. bring a friend too. Let's, let's, let's go out. Let's go party. Um, so I called my boy and we drove out to her house to go pick her up or whatever. And she had her friend with her. Her friend's Natalie. I originally looked at my buddy and I was like, listen, I understand the plan. The plan was, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna hang out with the girl, and you were gonna be with the friend, and my friend was gonna be with her friend, whatever. I was like, listen, things change. I was like, fuck everything we had going. I'm just gonna talk to a friend. I don't care where it goes, what happens. The whole plan's changed. Um, and that was like the last party I kind of went to where it was like that. Um, and a month later, Natalie moved in, um, moved in with me and my parents actually, and I think I used cocaine one time like a couple months after we met at a work party but other than that i've been clean for six i've been clean for over six years since the one time i used but i've been with her over six years but yeah i used one time as a mistake and i don't even drink anymore i drank two or three times a year nice congratulations that's that's beautiful man so we got to give her her props now too what about her or what these conversations i know it'd be them late night talks and shit like what about her made you feel, or not not even about her, but gave you the permission and the vulnerability to be able to be vulnerable with her and vulnerable with yourself to want to make that commitment to, like, choose you? Yeah, so I think just her as a person and how, you know, I fell in love with her and, and what she was and represents, and it made me want to be the best version of myself because I felt like she deserved that. So, you know, I got clean. I started, I mean, I, I was kind of in an aimless career. I was in construction, but I wasn't with a big company. I was just a laborer doing stuff. I went back to school and I went to college to, you know, to get my degree. Um, she helped me, you know, I ended up graduating magna cum laude from my issue. Clean, you know, it was all these things that I just wanted to be the best version of myself for her. So it just led me to start doing all these things, making choices. Um, and then, yeah, two years ago, you know, we moved to Texas. We bought a house a year ago. We had a ch- our first child was born in April last year. And so now it's just, now it's even more of a reason. Now it's not just her. Now it's him. So, and it's almost the same pattern. Um, what you mean? Now I'm back. So yeah, now, so I've been in construction for three years now, right? I've, I've always been in construction, but now I'm back in a career where I'm, you know, a junior project manager. So now I have my own job sites and stuff. So that was kind of, you know, when I met her, I was a labor in construction and um, we went to school for my bachelor's degree. Now, Caden's been born, my son. Now I'm a, uh, a project, a junior project manager for a construction company. And I'm going back to school again to get my master's now. So I feel like it's, it's, it was her and now it's him that I'm making these steps to be the best version of myself to never stop improving so I can provide the best life possible for both of them. That's beautiful, man. That's fucking yeah. That is that's the reason why we do it, man. I'm about to man tear and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was for real. That's true. And it's true. You can never not like. You can never stop improving yourself. Like, there's always something you can do. Um, one thing that that she's forced me well, not forced me, but kind of guided me and helped me with lately, um, is I've suffered from OCD pretty much since I've been clean. I mean, I've suffered from most of my life, but it got worse when I was clean because there was less i mean when you're on drugs you know that's all you care about is drugs 
So, you know, when I kicked the drug and stuff, my OCD got worse because I was not focused on just when am I getting high or when am I, where's the coke coming from? When am I doing it? Um, so my OCD kind of spiraled. Um, even having a kid, my OCD got worse only because now I'm constantly checking, making sure the house is cleaned up. There's no, you know, all the outlets have covers on them and, and all the dishes are done so that he has bottles, you know, when he needs the bottles and, and just, you know, I'm in retentive about a lot of things, you know, locking the doors five or six times to make sure that, you know, the house is safe. Um, mm-hmm. When I have my cigarettes, you know, I, I pour water in, in ashtrays half the time now just because I don't want the house to burn down. My OCD got really bad and spiraled. Um, so now, you know, I'm on, you know, seeing counselor. Um, I see counselor once a week. I see psychiatrist once a month. Um, I'm on medication now to, you know, kind of help with the OCD and, and manage that. And I mean, because it is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yes, it, it is. I'm very inattentive, but all the labels in the fridge don't have to be straight. They don't. Yes, my mind tells me they do, but I'm taking away time from my son and from her. So now she's, you know, helping me get, you know, a hold of that one and, and you know, yeah, just making me a better person. So. Is she, is she um, what was I going to say, does she help you with your OCD too? As in trying to calm Maybe me down? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's very helpful in, in trying to calm me down, figure out what the problem is and how we can solve it without caving into it. Because once I cave into it, you know, if I go... If I'm sitting down and I think, oh, no, the lights turned off in the bedroom, even though I know they're turned off, I'll still get up and go check it. Right. Yeah. So she'll help me calm me down. So, you know, they're off. Everything's fine. You know, trying to calm me down that way and, and, and not give in to my mental state. Yeah. Because I don't know. If I had a friend like that because she's like every time I was here, like I have to give her a hug twice. Like you can never just be like one hug. Like it was in, mm-hmm. it was a number thing. More than it was like the, uh, I guess the physical, not physical. What am I looking mm-hmm. for to say? Um, visual. Um, so like I can understand, and that's just because it's like sometimes you don't know if it's just like is it a joke or are you playing like. But then like getting older and seeing like it really does have a hold on your mind, and it's not something that you're controlling, but it's something that like festers. I guess the best way it got explained exactly what it is. It, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It, it's like. It's like, I mean, it takes me 30 minutes to go to bed from, mm-hmm. from the time I decide I want to go lay down to actually get to, in bed because, you know, you walk away from the oven. You know, you, you know, the oven's off, right? I just checked two minutes ago. It's almost you don't trust yourself. So you mm-hmm. do things over and over again because I'll sit there and I'll sit in the living room as I'm walking to the bedroom. I'll be like, I know the oven's off. You know, stop it. You're only doing it because you don't trust. Like, what, what is your problem? Like, but eventually it festers so long that it's like, okay, you go back and check it again. Yes, the oven's off. Of course it's off. I'm not, I trust myself. I'm not an idiot. Like, and let me ask you this to get, it's a serious question, but it's also a funny question. How the hell do you set up your lineups for fantasy then? Bruh, I'm telling you. And I think two years ago was the worst. because I, was in, I think I pushed like 18 leagues. And honestly... It's a pain in the ass. You, you, uh, you, towards, you know, it tapers off and you start off leagues that you just don't care about anymore because it's not worth your time to check the waivers 20 times to make sure that, you know, somebody's not a free agent. But it is daunting now. Honestly, Tuesday nights are the worst because you just don't want to do it. You're like, oh my God, here we go. Are you still in that many leagues? No, I've cut it way back. I cut it back um, when Natalie got pregnant, I cut it back. 
And then I cut it back again this year. I dropped out of a couple of dynasty leagues that you know I was in for a while that just I didn't have relationships with the guys. I was just into being because at the point where you know me and Dalton were doing the fantasy stuff, and you know we had the company for a while, and we had joined a bunch just to exposure, exposure, exposure. And so now I've cut it back, and I've cut it back again, and um, now I'm in like five or six, and nice. I'm comfortable. So I know, I know that's something that gives you peace is fantasy football. Well, like what else gives you yeah. peace to give you freedom and just give you retards? Like how does Cody like just relax? Cause that's, that's a lot to like deal with. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my mind's on fire 24 seven, but um, th- there's not much, man. I, I Smoking cigarettes is a big one. Like when I go to have a cigarette, it's me by myself for seven to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. nobody bothers me there's nothing to do right like that's what i'm what i have to do is have my cigarette it's not go and check something it's it's be outside in the peace and quiet my mind shuts itself off for a few minutes and i know it sounds crazy but that's just one of those things i enjoy hunting and fishing stuff like that like now that i live in texas you know i mean i'll be like, hunting a few times nah dude i'm terrible at fishing Uh-oh. but it's fun yeah. It's fun to be out. And I I mean, honestly, I've noticed it more like when I'm with my son, but nothing else in the world matters. Like when he's awake and we're playing and stuff, I could care less about anything else. My mind doesn't wander. It's just spending time. What what matters is making him laugh. Like it's just that's the only thing that I have to think about. Like, but when he goes to bed and stuff, that's when like, you know, when I'm by myself, it things faster. But like when I'm with him, that's the only thing that matters right there. And it's just crazy to me how it's working. Yeah, because it's something that you care about that's outside of you. Like, yeah. That's your seed, man. That's your fucking plant. Gotta make sure yeah, you're that's, right. Yeah. That's what's up, though. Is it? Is there anything else that, like, because you, you can't create, I mean, you can create another human, but, like, is there something that brings you joy the way that he does that you had before that you missed or something just making people happy, dude. I love making people happy. I make people laugh. I like, I just like when people are happy. So like watching people laugh and it, it gives me joy, you know, making Natalie laugh, being around Natalie, being around my parents, being around my grandmother, my friend, family, just that brings me joy. When people are happy and laughing and everybody's together. Nice. Yeah, that's what it's for, man. But did you, you, what made you move back, back, back again? So, well, a couple of things is, a, I, you know, I took a job working for my dad out here. Um, so it was a career path. And my dad was living out here with a couple of the other guys and would travel back home to see my mom and us and stuff at home. Um, so, you know, like every other weekend, he'd drive back to Arizona and, you know, come back home and see us and then go back out to work. I was kind of at that point, I was like, I don't want to live with four other dudes in a house and work and then drive home to see Natalie for two days a week. I was like, I was like, let's do this. I'll start a life. And um, so we work out in Fort Francis and, and North Padre Island. I was like, let's buy a house. It, I mean, it's an island. We could live two minutes from the beach. And so we put an offer in on the house and we got it. And I was like, yeah, like, this is perfect. We're starting our life now. You know, we're not living with my parents anymore. We have our own house on an island. Like, I have a career. You can do whatever you want. This is let's just take a step. That's so now we're here. That's yeah. and it worked out that we've had a kid now that we own a house. I mean, it just kind of things lined up. 
that's <laughs> that's what you do it for, man. That is literally full circle, and that's fucking beautiful, man. That is fucking beautiful. I don't really for a bigger house, huh? It's time for a bigger house now. You know, you get another house. I would love to buy a second house, dude. You know what? Like, I I eventually would like a daughter. So I mean, three bedrooms ain't enough for for three of us or four yeah, of us. You so. gotta have a, a room just to have a room. Too. An office. An office. Yeah. You need an office. That's where my you know my Funkos go. My Funko, my computer. <laughs> that's what's up, man. I don't really. I, that, that story is beautiful. I don't know if you got anything you want to tell the people, the listening, like uh, a, a powwow or like a, a little last thought for anything is possible. I mean, I got two last thoughts. Ready? One is that you are an amazing person, mm-hmm. and the the way you are doing this, I'm talking about you, Aaron. Like you. No, stop. Uh, That's no, the no, no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> stop. I got two of them. Hold on. I'll okay, finish on one for the people. But you are an amazing person, and what you're doing is giving people an outlet to share something and listen to other people to better understand not just that person, but other people like them. Listening to your episode with Aaron, Kagan, was yeah. something that gave me not only respect for him as a person, but people that go through similar things that he does and see it in a different light. So what you're doing is exposing people for what people have gone through and why we should respect one another. You're literally it's one perspective to another and respecting that perspective. That's literally so it. I think you do not get the credit you deserve for this. Um, but other than that, it's just like no matter what and it's cliche as fuck, but no matter what you're going through, it could always be worse. Like, you have to look at the bright side of it. Like, literally, and, and ever since I sat in that rehab facility watching these kids who have no home, no family, want to kill themselves, it changed my entire life. It is never that bad. You always have it better. And, and it's never what you think it is. And you just need to take a step back and reevaluate. You know, when I was 13, I was given 24 hours to live with staph infection in my arm. Completely different thing. I ended up having an infection. Spent seven days in the hospital. They gave me twenty four hours to live, but that's another one of those where you sit back and you're like, "We are all lucky to be where we are now." The ties into the whole like you know, it's never that bad, but you're lucky to be in the position you are now. Like it's just you just appreciate where you're at, what you have, because other people aren't going to make it to where you're at, and other people have it worse and. And just be thankful for what you have and, and, and don't take advantage of it and just like, be happy. There you have it. I want to say thank you. I appreciate you. Your story is fucking beautiful. Almost man-teared a couple times, but you are the other side of getting through, my brother. So make sure, I don't know, you want people to check you out or to get... get uh, nah, I want people to focus on you, bro. I'm so sick you, bro. But uh, without that, without further ado, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. One perspective to another dot com. I don't know what episode number this is going to be, but it might be pretty soon. So make sure y'all go check it out, and we will catch you on the flip side. I am out.